correcting corrections part two on humans are interesting no they don't understand man they did the same thing last year they uh dogs <laughs> <laughs> open the door yeah <laughs> okay all right well on that note so how do you i mean what i guess what do you do if you see a coworker? Um, acting outside of his job description to another inmate or something like that. Like, that's a, a weird position for you to be in. Like, it's weird. This, just... this is the way they used to do it. In 91, when I started out in the desert, it was a cowboy town. Blythe is a cowboy town. Sergeants and lieutenants there actually wore cowboy boots, literally. I was told by a correctional counselor who used to be an officer who eventually became a captain at that same prison. My first couple of months there, he says, hey, uh, Blair. He says, well, what would you do if you walked into Ad Segged? That's ADSEG is administrative segregation for inmates that are being housed there for their own security or they've been involved in a fight. So it's a lockup unit. Yeah. He says, what would you do if you walked into the ADSEG tunnel and three officers had an inmate stretched out on the wall and they were giving them the bit, you know, they was, they were socking them up. What would you do? And I, I just told him, I would ask, what, what's going on here? All right, what are you guys doing? He said, <laughs> he, said, he said, that's what you would do. I said, yeah, I would. Because right. I, I know the answer he was looking for is either join in or keep your mouth shut. So speaking of that, like, do you feel that most people that get in this line of work have an accurate perception of what the job is about and what it's like? Or do you think it's that, that most people have it backwards and they're kind of surprised when they get in? Nobody's surprised. Who become, if you make it through the academy and go through the training and visit the prisons up north, you're not surprised by what you're supposed to do. It's like you can have a, one culture at this institution and it's totally the opposite at the other institution as far as how you deal with certain situations a lot more things put it like this have i run into situations like that are questionable or that where someone's violating the rules yes i have and i've learned through the years how i should respond because things have gotten tighter now there used to be what they call the code of silence among police officers certain things that police officers do and they don't snitch on each other and that's just the way it goes. You don't I, snitch. I, I mean, I you think know that's what's still wrong, exists. but you don't I, snitch. I think that still exists, but that's that's me. You know what's wrong, but you don't snitch, because you'll be known as a snitch, and nobody will trust you. And, and some might even try to get after you in some harmful way. That's possible. In the prison system, it used to be that way all the time at all the prisons, because of lawsuits that have happened against the Department of Corrections as a result of somebody who crossed the line as far as doing something to an inmate or to an inmate's property or harming an inmate, or in some cases injuring an inmate, or in some patient, some cases where somebody was wrongfully shot and killed. Wow. And they mm -hmm. lied about it on their report as far as why they shot, because you have to justify why you aimed and shot an inmate. You have to justify that, what was the inmate doing? And you wind up with lawsuits, state winds up losing money. So you're seeing people who've been been forced to hold, been held accountable to... Yeah, accountability right. is much higher now than it was 25 years ago, much I, higher now. I think you just... Falsified, falsified reports are much lower now than they ever were 25 years ago. And this is the reason why. Officers have gone to jail and prison themselves for falsifying reports. I'll give you an example. Having sex with an inmate became a, a crime here in California in 2000, I think it was 2001. It's two. hard to believe it wasn't Be already a crime. Before, <laughs> like, before this, that, it was this unethical. This millennium? Like, <laughs> this like, century? Before that, it was unauthorized <laughs> and unethical, and you could get you could get terminated for it. You can get terminated for it. 
I'm was, sorry, that's funny to me. Yeah. This century finally yeah. became a... <laughs> yeah, so you, you, can lose your, you, can lose, you can lose your job over it. And many, I know people who have. Wow. I know married people who have. I know single people who have. I know guys who have had sex with female inmates. I know guys who have had sex with male inmates and got caught. If you ever get involved with an inmate or do something for an inmate, the inmate will always give you up. When they're finished using you for whatever they're using you for, whether that's bringing contraband into the institution or satisfying your sexual fantasies with them, they will always give you up. When they get tired of, with the, tired of you, they'll drop a dime on you, as they say. Like the old phones, would you put a dime in and make a phone call? Mm-hmm. They'll drop a dime. They'll contact the investigative unit, tell them that you and him been hooking up with that person. Mm-hmm. Wow. There goes your job, and, and since 2001, not only there goes your job, there goes your freedom because you're going to get a four-year sentence for having sex with an inmate. They used to be able to get off of it as far as just losing their job by saying it was consensual as opposed to rape. Now, there's no such thing as consensual inmate, no consensual sex between an inmate and staff. It's a crime. Right. So what is the, um, the predominant demographic um, race-wise for the inmates? Whites followed by Mexicans, followed by blacks, followed by others. Um, what? Just you said uh, lawsuits. Number one reason there's a reason for lawsuits. You yeah. mentioned something about medical. I read this crazy story about a lady who sued. Um, I don't know what state it was though. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a, a C-section done. Yes. Show, and they put sugar packets in there to absorb, and they got sued for that. And there was another case where a guy is having a seizure, and they oh just give him some Advil. It's a headache. And there was a lawsuit. And so there's been this question about medical care in the jails, I mean, the prisons. Uh, just from your experience, uh, how does that work? What are some things? Do you think there are some things that uh, should be changed? Do you think it's it's adequate? Do you think it's fine? Like, um, like if the inmate has cancer, what happens? Well, they're dealt with just like anybody. Uh, well, that's, you have to remember this, too. If an inmate is diagnosed with something, cancer or otherwise, um, <clears throat> it used to be a lot worse, but now inmates have access to whatever type of drugs they need. <laughs> they don't buy, I'm, I'm guessing I know the answer to this, but I fear I'd ask. There's not any like medical marijuana that is allowed in the prison system, is there? Not at this point, but don't be surprised if it happens. Cause you think that's coming? Is that next? <laughs> it seems, right? I was thinking, I was like, man, it seems you know, like it could easy, As easy as it is to get a marijuana card, don't be surprised if it comes to the state prisons as well for the same reasons. That's going to change the game for the drugs. My headaches go away. be happy about that. The mafia will be happy. This helps my glaucoma. This makes my headaches go away. Whatever. You know, Right, right. Stay, <laughs> that's funny. Staying on that topic just mm-hmm. really quick. Uh, there was a, a sharp rise in the early '80s of um, because funding was taken away from mental yes. health institutes, and, they dumped and uh, it prisons have unfortunately become the de facto type of mental institutions a lot of times. That's a very good analogy. There, I mean, very yeah. good comparison. Right. That's very good. Um, so, what would you say? Like, like what needs to change, in your opinion, as a correction officer, when it comes to patients who are in jail because they really are mentally ill yeah and uh would probably actually maybe not even be in there if they had some treatment or access to that good question um the ones that are in prison have committed crimes of whatever sort the ones who have mental issues right who need medical care who Mm -hmm. need pills and shots and all the rest uh they have a couple of facilities a couple of prisons corcoran too is a second prison that is strictly for those who are on medications that need medical, right? It's a medical facility. Oh, okay. they have one there in Corcoran. They have one in Sacramento, and even in Norco. There's a division of the prison there 
There are a couple of dorms that are assigned strictly for people who are on psychotropic medication. Uh, wow. So they're they're making provisions for as right. as opposed to before when they used to be among the general population, right. not on the medications that they should be getting and and having problems and causing problems as a result of not being on those medications that they should have been getting. Mm-hmm. So again, lawsuits is what brought all of that to pass. Right. Money. As far as medical <laughs> medical this, facilities being money. built, it's all about the dollar. Medical yeah. fa- facilities being built as a result of lawsuits right. from people not getting the treatment that they need. There's a great documentary on that in Angola prison in Louisiana. Oh yeah, um, uh, which is probably one of the most notorious prisons oh, in America. Yeah, very much so. Um, that. Uh, they have an issue there because prison is becoming a senior citizen home. You know, you've mm-hmm. had guys who've been in there since like the fifties, yeah, yeah, 40s since then. And they have a, a large population and they were having issues because the staff, there was enough staff to take care of, yeah. you know, these guys who are 60, 70, 81 guy went in jail and was 21 and like, I don't know, like the forties and he's like 98 now, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, they were using their a program where they were having inmates inmates take care of the elderly. Interesting. Um, getting jobs taken care of the elderly because it, it was becoming so much of a problem where, you know, they were looking like, you know, convalescent homes. Like, you know. Wow. There, because of the open dorm setting, they're not locked in cells. So you might have somebody in there for a credit wow. card fraud in there with a guy who did a quadruple murder. So you got low-level crime guys in there. Yeah all mixed together living in an open housing, housing setting. So they did. They used to do their counts at night and then in the next morning. And you call for a child, the inmates are getting up and go to go to child to get breakfast, and two of them two, are not getting up. And you go over to the bed there, and the guy's been stabbed to death during the night because they're in an open dorm setting, and somebody wanted that guy gone, and they're gone now because they would only count them twice, once at night and once uh. in the morning. So they've staggered the counts now where there's more staff uh, I mean, you never did you ever you never dealt with any prison breaks or anything, did you? Like someone successfully escaping from prison? Not while you're I like was not on my on watch, <laughs> not on duty. No, I came on duty one day, <laughs> and the guy had he didn't escape. <laughs> this is this is funny to me to this day. This will always be funny to me. The housing unit was next to it, and the inmates up on the second floor could stand up on their bunks and look down through the open window there into the port where the buses pull in, bringing in new inmates. So they're yelling out the window to their buddies and stuff. And I'm looking at the structure there. And it's like the window opens out, folds out, and they're two floors up. But I'm looking, there's like two drain pipes along the wall there. And I'm thinking, somebody could stand up on this bunk, shimmy out this window, and shimmy down that pole and climb over that bus gate right there, which doesn't have razor wire around the top. Uh, and I thought somebody could do that. So I sent a memo in to the captain, letting them know that they might want to consider putting some razor wire across this bus gate. And also putting some screens on those windows so it may, <laughs> uh-huh. it may well, get yeah. out of there. Eight months later, I come to work one day, 2 o'clock p.m., I come in, they said, hey, we're locked down right now. Uh, they had an escape attempt last night. And I said, from where? And they said, from 114. That's, uh, that's why they have the the iron workers over there now. They're putting screens on the on the windows. You're like, I said it. I told them. I told them. <laughs> I, could, I couldn't believe it. It's like <laughs> eight months wow. later. Eight months later, Somebody actually tried to escape through the very means, and he told he climbed out the window and shimmied down the pole, climbed over the fence, and he had gotten. He was trying to climb the second fence. There's like two fences, yeah. both have barbed wire. But he had climbed over the second fence and got between the two fences. Never been there doing an active escape myself. Um, but is there a certain demographic or group that you feel gets 
uh, special treatment or harsher treatment? And if so, why is that? From the inmates or from staff? Because <laughs> uh, there's, there's definitely special groups. Let me rephrase. They, I'm saying okay. inmates that get special or harsher treatment from staff. Statistically, as far as reports that came in over the years and things that wound up in lawsuits, at a time, African-Americans seem to be more victimized by staff than other other groups. From the inmates to themselves, there's a, a harsher... Among inmates themselves? Is that what you were about to say? I was before? about to say that, yeah, and that goes across about? ethnic yeah. lines. Inmates do not take kindly to snitches and people who have raped... Well, they, used, they used to call them back in the old days baby rapers, people that are molesting kids. You could, you could, you could kill somebody on the street... You could rob a store and kill six people or you could and come to prison and get along with the other inmates. But if you've molested a child, that guy who killed 10 people, he's okay with the prison population. But if you molested a child, they'll put a green light on you, which means somebody needs to take that guy out. Somebody's got to take him out. So they will either, when you come in the dorm, they'll tell you, they'll, if they know about your case, if they happen to know about your case, they'll, they'll come up to you and ask you when you come into a prison setting, They'll ask you, what are you in for? I'm assuming those people lie, right? They, sure they do. They have to know, right? Sure <laughs> you like paperwork or something? Sure they do. Yeah, like, who's they'll ask you for your paperwork, among, huh? Among, among the white inmates, it's not, it's not uncommon among the white inmates in particular, for the ABs, the, Amer- the uh, Aryan Brotherhood, they will come to other whites. When the whites come into the housing unit, show me your paperwork. They want to see it in printing. They're thorough. What you're in there for. They have developed what they call SNY yards. So sensitive needs yards. What that is, that's a complex within the prison where the people in there, they've got their own workout area, they got their own chow hall, they got their own doctor's area and all the rest of that in classes. They are separated from the general population because they, they, know that they are snitch. Right. They are there for snitching. They're housed there for their own safety. It's the same thing with the child molesters and baby rapers. And do you feel like they police within their own ethnic groups? If a black dude comes in and he is a child molester, yeah. is the expectation that the blacks are supposed to take, care, take of care of it? Or is yes. it anyway? It is, okay. Because if, if it gets, yeah, they're supposed to take care of that. And if they don't, there's going to be some problems with the other groups. They're going to be like, yo, you need to get your boy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'm like, yes. I lost my paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I've I've known I've known some who were faking it. Oh, you were keeping <laughs> a secret, shaking like, it and faking it. Officer Blair, it. don't say nothing, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, and this this is something that has happened. I would say this: R is registered sex offender, and so it's called having an R on your jacket. It's like some scarlet letter stuff. Yeah, know? and some <laughs> officers would purposely put a large R on a particular inmate's card, oh, that's so that as the off- other officers are flipping through it, if there happens to be an inmate looking in through the window of the office and sees that so-and-so has an R on their jacket, Whoa. The, the officer would do that, hoping that's, that the inmates would right. find out about it. That ain't right, man. It's not, it's not <laughs> right. ain't right. Oh, man. It's, it's unethical. I mean, that's essentially like you're like, you're trying to give them a You're setting them up. Really, you know what I mean? You're setting them up to get harmed. Yeah. Is there something about the prison system that you wish more people knew? Oh, boy. And this is controversial. For those who have the mindset that lock them up and keep them away so they can't hurt anybody else, no matter what the crime has done. But no, we shouldn't take their life because we don't have the authority. First of all, that mindset of, yeah, lock them away so they won't hurt anybody else. They may have killed 20 people on the street and they're glad about it to this day and there's no remorse. But who do you think's keeping that guy locked up? Who do you think's teaching the 
the electrical class that he's taking while he's doing life in prison between those those 20 people while he's taking uh while he's getting visits on the weekend from his wife through conjugal visits mm -hmm. who's watching that person are you aware that they can kill another inmate are you aware that they can kill a correctional person who works there who's trying to take care of their family trying to provide for their family are you aware that the same person could kill again and, you're saying um, when, when the people say like they're locked up and they're away so they can't kill again you're saying there's they're away always, from you there's always another chance there's some, for them to there's kill someone again. Work, there's someone working there keeping them locked up there's right, someone right. there making sure right. he gets fed there's some doctor there checking his health every year to make sure his heart's beating right and if he's sick someone's caring for him that they when people say that i know they're they're saying it because they're not they're not thinking well somebody's got to watch these guys that person could be killed because no that same person who's against the death penalty has nothing to say about the officers and the free staff and the nurses that get raped and killed by the inmates that are in prison just real quick one i want to put this in okay. real quick uh just humans are interesting you know we we bring it on guests uh, not just from our personal bias. I'm deaf. I'm like a big time anti death penalty, like hundred percent. So yeah. So so am I. No, right. We, respect everybody. We did yeah, like we, we did we like a, a part of an episode on the death penalty. Mm -hmm. I have nothing against you guys for your view. Uh, obviously, we live yeah. in a free country. This is this and, is the yeah. And we, we have want, our we yeah. have our different reasons for the views that we all have informed. No animosity there at all. None whatsoever in your brother. This isn't Washington. We yeah, can, we can get along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know no, that's, yeah. yeah. This isn't yeah, this exactly. isn't Washington. I'm not trying to get you to to dump yeah, down I, have friends, I have friends, uh, co-workers who've been killed by inmates in the mm. prison setting. Right. I mean, look, honestly, this is a big a big part of the reason why we do mm -hmm. this podcast. Yes. Um, and, and I think I mentioned this to you when I asked you about doing the show. Is mm -hmm. um, as black men as Christians. Um, we don't feel like personally our views are are represented properly um, or, or I shouldn't say properly, but are represented uh, in the church or in the black community sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so um, we consistently operate within a setting of being around people and just having friends that don't think the same way we do yeah. right, and disagree with us, like especially. You can only learn something if you're around somebody who knows something that you don't know either right. way, in either direction. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, let's say you you can change something in the correctional system, oh, something that you feel needs to be changed. What would you change? What would you think needs? I know there's a lot. I know there's you a lot. You say the list. heaviest question for last. <laughs> ask, ask why. Yeah, you should have asked him in the beginning. He gave me an hour to think about question. it. You know, you got the, oh, that heat, man. that closer. What would I change? Oh, my goodness. I know the list Woo. is probably immense, but. Is it a pretty big list? I'm sure to it me, is. <laughs> to me, I would take all staff through a probably if it's six weeks for the academy, I'd take them through another six weeks of uh, cross-cultural communications in history mm. so that people would have a more holistic view of history, ethnicity, the differences between them, the good and the bad in all of the different groups so that when they come to a prison setting, they will realize that they're dealing with people from all these different groups who have different views than them, different culture than right. them. I would think they would be able to handle their jobs less stress with less stress. They would be more fair in their judgments and decisions. Right. Mm -hmm. And it could keep them out of a lot of personal conflict and violence with some of the inmate population. Mm. You can you can learn all that stuff and still be the victim of somebody who's right, right. Right. 5150. <laughs> you know, I would do I would I would do something like that where people that work in that environment would be more well versed 
I just think that that would make the environment safer. Inmates are going to do what inmates do. But as staff, I think people would have longer lives, healthier lives as staff if they became aware of and could appreciate the positive in the different cultural groups. Right. And not focus only on the stereotype that they have of a particular group. Right. right. You know, the stereotype. And, like, there's some people, I know there are people who view, there are whites who view blacks based on their experience with black inmates. Right. Well, you know, right. And, yeah. and so uh, forth. Yeah. I know that. Right. If you don't know any black, black folks, folks, and all of a sudden you work in a setting with just Black people who don't Criminal like you. black folks. Yeah. It's like That's Attica. Like <laughs> it's like Attica in 1970 or whatever it was. Attica State Prison in New mm-hmm. York. When that situation went down. Right. The views, it was all white staff at an institution that was predominantly black. The blacks rioted. And the governor of New York, uh, Rockefeller, mm-hmm. brought in the National Guard. National Guard. Yeah. It was like shooting ducks in a barrel. They just got up on the roofs and the guys wouldn't turn. They had the list of demands and all that stuff, but they didn't want to hear that. It got up on the roofs and on the rails and they just start firing away. And not just cultural differences, cult, a cultural divide there at Attica. Right. Well, there's the, there's the cultural difference and then the setting in which these cultures are forced to meet. Me. Yeah. All kind the, of the worst, the worst a, of all. Right. It's the worst brew. <laughs> it's it's a, yeah. a, it's, this is the, the, the biggest recipe for the biggest disaster yeah, it's ever. Like, like a slow atom bomb yeah that's horrible yeah. you know <laughs> um, have you just real quick have you ever ran in this like ran into somebody who you knew in the jail and the prisons on the street like you like, mean inmates yeah. after the fact yeah after the fact oh yeah, yeah. oh this this was scary i'm walking with my two sons brandon must have been about six at the time he's 22 now i'm walking through stater brothers around the corner around the corner from my house two of them they get like halfway past me and um I, I never seen him before in my life. But you have to remember, at a prison, there might be 4,000 inmates there. Right. So I may not have noticed him or recognized him, but as inmates, they got all day to look at you, and they assess you and measure you, and they watch your habits and all that. He says, uh, I know you from somewhere. Right away, I'm thinking, this guy's done time. Because I've never seen him before. Right. He says, uh, where, are you, where are you from? I said, well, I was born and raised in Chicago. He says, no, I've never been there. He said, uh, I know you from somewhere, though. He started to do And then he said, <laughs> I think God put this in my mind to say this next. I said, um, well, I said, I've been, I've been a member of uh, Loveland Church in Fontana there since 1981. He says, no, no, I'm not into the church thing. It's not that. He said, but I know, I know you from somewhere. He says, okay. And then he kept on walking. He probably recognized my face from being a correction officer in the prison, either out there in Blythe at Chuckawalla right. or in Norco. But it's like, whew, thank you, Lord, for bringing that to my mind to say in that yeah, moment. Where you went to church instead of what you did for a living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's where I know you from. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it could have got ugly. But um, another situation, I was at the junkyard, pick apart, getting some parts for my car. At the time, I was doing some work. And uh, I was in the junkyard there. And I saw an inmate, uh, a former inmate, who he had paroled. He was out going on with his life. He was getting part for his car. He said, uh... Hey, Officer Blair. And I said, hey, so-and-so. I knew his name. He was a low-key guy in prison, African-American guy. Never gave me any problems or nothing like that. And didn't give me a problem right there. And we did, we had a conversation. I told him how, asked him how long he had been out and what he was doing. He was trying to get work and stuff. And he was working on his car. And we parted ways. But, See, well, this is the thing, too, though. I mean, again, I... I our families are obviously very close. Yeah. The listener doesn't know that. But our families are very close. Yes. And so you've... 
your family has been immersed with my family since I was a, a baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I know what kind of person you are. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure um, those things about you um, are seen by the people that you've worked with and mm-hmm. stuff. And that might have something to do with why you haven't had a problem when you see people up after the fact. Uh, it could be. I think it's the grace and mercy and protection of God. Because believe me, when right. I was working in, in the prison there, I would pray. I'd pray before I go to work. I'd be praying while I'm at work doing my job. Yeah, I bet. I'd be praying then that God would give me wisdom and that he would keep me safe. I wasn't so much walking around. I wasn't walking around. Initially, when you're working in prison, you're watching. Everything. Yeah, uh-huh. and you're like trying to find that wall to get your back against it <laughs> so nobody would come up and stab you in the back. It's like, if you're going to stab me, you're going to stab me in the chest. You're not going to get me in the back. <laughs> I'm going to see it coming. Yeah. All right, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I would pray and ask God to give me wisdom, discernment, helping me to remember to pray for the inmates and to pray for my coworkers too. They need the Lord just as much as the inmates. Right, some some right. of them were, some of them, it's like, this this guy did a crime over here, but this coworker here is, yeah, wow. people, people have done some, people have done some wicked stuff as far as staff against inmates. That stuff has happened. Um, so uh, that's going to be our show for the day. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for coming out. We Thank w- you all for even inviting me. Uh, I, I count it a privilege to even come down and be a part of whatever this is going to wind up being as far as you putting the show together. It's been, it's been an honor to me. It's been a good experience too, just talking out some of the stuff that. Cathartic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah, no. Thank you for thank you for coming. Yeah. yeah. So you guys make sure uh, to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, our social media tag is at uh, podcast h a i. Um, let us know what you think. Until next time, peace be the journey. Peace be the journey. <laughs>